One summer, Fredericton was rocked by a riot at a circus, which kicked off after a dead snake was thrown at a performer. By the end of the circus riot, four people had been shot, 18 arrested, hundreds caught up in the violence, and the circus performers had taken over the city's armory, the circus itself had been thrown into the St. John River, and the circus's owner had fled the country. You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happened in your own backyard. The podcast version of the weekly history column running in newspapers across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McLean. In the Maritimes in the 1800s, summertime was circus time. It was a big deal when a circus came to town. Often they would have a big parade through the towns to announce their arrival, featuring animals, costumes, music, and garish, colorful signs. If you were lured by the parade back to the circus, you could experience things like pink lemonade, cotton candy, bright lights and sounds, and performers from all over the world. Circuses would, of course, go to the Maritime's great cities like St. John and Halifax, but they would also visit small towns and farming communities everywhere in between. This didn't necessarily mean that all circuses were family-friendly. Quite the opposite, in fact. Circuses could be quite dark places at the time. The workers they attracted were often misfits leading precarious lives, who had a reputation for grifting or ripping off those who attended. On the flip side, the circus could also attract some distinctly unsavory audience members who were crude, rude, and lewd, and who were there to drink and blow off steam. On Sunday, July 6th, 1874, the great and only New York circus, owned by Louis B. Lent, rolled into the Fredericton Branch Railway Station. It was an equestrian circus featuring horse shows. It advertised performances such as bareback horse riding, a woman who could ride six horses at once, an Australian rider, and a family of gymnasts who would perform on horseback. The circus offloaded from the train onto wagons and moved to set up down by the river at the end of Carlton Street where the Fredericton Public Library now stands, right across from the Federal Armory, which stands in the same place today as it did at the time. The circus received a chilly reception in Fredericton right from the outset. Sunday was the Sabbath, and officials in Fredericton refused to let Lewis's circus set up that day. The circus set up, and performed as normal on Monday and Tuesday, but it was not without incidents. A Fredericktonian and a circus worker selling tickets at the gate got into a dispute over whether or not the correct change was given back, which escalated to the circus performer punching the patron in the face. 
During another performance, a group of boys climbed up the tent's ropes for a better view. When they came down, they got into an argument with the circus workers, which attracted an angry crowd and ended in violence. Later, a young woman was found by a group of young Fredericton men behind a tent, romantically entangled with a circus worker. The young men took offense to this and decided to return her to her home. Although there were never any accusations that the tryst was anything but consensual, and the young woman aggressively protested being taken back home, the incident led to a shouting match, further escalating tensions between the circus workers and the Fredericktonians. On its final day in Fredericton, Lent Circus put on three performances, a matinee show, an evening show, and a final concert. As the circus was shutting down and the spectators were filing out after the final concert, the circus workers began to set about taking down their tents. A group of local young men stayed behind to harass them, heckling the circus people as they went about their work. At first, the circus workers ignored the catcalls and the insults coming from the Fredericktonians. Then, a Fredericktonian threw a dead snake, of all things, at a circus worker. The snake hit its target and wrapped around his neck. The stricken circus worker shouted, Hey Rube! Hey Rube was the battle call of the circus worker. It was a call to arms that a dangerous and an even potentially lethal fight was on. The other circus performers answered the Hey Rube call by rushing over, ready to fight. The Fredericktonians loitering by the tents were quickly overwhelmed and driven away from the circus. But then someone rang a fire bell. This was an age where most of the homes were wooden, and there was little to no fire insurance. So when the fire bell rang, hundreds of Fredericktonians rushed to the source of the fire bell, prepared to help put out the fire. However, when they got there, instead of a fire, they encountered a large brawl between circus performers and some local young men. So they joined in. The circus people responded to the crowd, now numbering in the hundreds by pulling guns out and firing buckshot at the crowd in an effort to drive them back. The buckshot, however, only seemed to further enrage the Fredericktonians. As the riot grew worse, some of the circus people pulled out revolvers and shot at the crowd with actual bullets. 25 shots were fired into the crowd, injuring four, all of whom recovered just fine. Remarkably, this rain of bullets did little to stop the enraged Fredericktonians. The Daily Telegraph newspaper described the scene. The riot assumed formidable proportions. The report of the firearms mingled with the cries of the combatants, and the groans of the wounded alarmed the whole city. Fredericton didn't really have a police force at the time. It was beginning to create a police force, but they'd only hired two officers so far. The reason they were 
Creating a police force was because another recent riot between Protestant Fredericktonians and Irish Catholic immigrants, which had actually happened just a couple blocks further up on the same street. As you might be piecing together, Carlton Street, which is now a commercial area in the heart of downtown Fredericton, was considered a distinctly bad neighborhood at the time. So, lacking a police force to speak of, Mayor Edward Wetmore, who happened to be just down the street at City Hall when this riot was breaking out, quickly assembled a judge and two dozen men. The judge deputized them into a makeshift police force. The two dozen new so-called police descended on the square, launching themselves into the fray and indiscriminately attacking both sides. During the chaos, the circus people managed to get into the armories, barricading themselves inside. They ended up spending the night and most of the next day in there. Meanwhile, outside, the enraged Fredericktonians dumped all of the circus tents, their carts, their gear, and their supplies into the river. The circus's owner, Louis B. Lent, who would have definitely stood out at the time since he weighed 300 pounds, somehow managed to slip away during the commotion and fled the country. After eventually coming out of the armory the next day, 18 circus workers, now abandoned by their boss and with their belongings at the bottom of the river, were arrested and imprisoned in City Hall's basement. All of them were soon let go without any charges. Despite there being hundreds of people involved, the court concluded that there was insufficient evidence to charge anyone involved in the riot. The circus performers soon dispersed to try and rebuild their lives. The Fredericktonians eventually fished out the circus equipment that they had thrown into the river in a rage during the riot and they left it at the train station. It remained there for several years, unclaimed, slowly being reduced to nothing by the elements. Remarkably, this wasn't even the only circus ride in New Brunswick that summer. Only a month later, a circus in Bathurst descended into a brutal riot which left several circus people injured. Meanwhile, the circus's large owner, Louis B. Lent had returned home to New York City. After the events in Fredericton, he decided that he was finished with traveling circuses. But he wasn't yet finished with the whole industry. He started on an innovative new idea that he had of building a permanent attraction that was so enticing that people would come from far and wide to see it. What he ended up building is still around today, the Bronx Zoo. That was Backyard History with your host, Andrew McLean. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for another hidden story that happened in your own backyard. Produced by Jordan Lozier.